things just to let you know about this. I do want to spend a little bit of time setting up the book of James so that you're just able to understand it a little bit better as we go through this over many weeks. This guy, James, who we're going to be speaking about, this was the half-brother of Jesus. So he was the guy who, uh, who was the younger little brother of Jesus and grew up. Um, spending probably more time with Jesus than, uh, than anyone else would have. So um, this is a guy who had a very, very close relationship with our Saviour, and yet he came to know Jesus as Saviour and Lord and King, so much so that he became one of the most influential people in uh, in all church history. So this guy, James, he uh, became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem was the mother of all churches. So every single, uh, every single church came out of the church in Jerusalem. So the guy who wrote this book is, uh, is one of the most influential uh, people in the church in all of history. And the uh, the church that he is, um, the, the time that he's uh, writing this is towards the end of his ministry life, and he's sharing a, a stack of wisdom that he's been able to build up throughout his time doing ministry. Uh, throughout his time of leading the Jerusalem church, he led them through uh, many, many different trials and struggles, a really, a really, really difficult things. Um, was what he led the church through. And some of what we hear tonight uh, from James 1 is going to be his wisdom that he has learnt over a long time through leading the church through, uh, through trials. Now, the difference between this letter that we're going to be looking at through the, the book of James compared to different letters throughout the New Testament is that this book was written not just to one particular church and not just to one particular person. So, uh, for example, the book of Philippians was written to the church in Philippi. The book of Corinthians was written to the, uh, to the church in Corinth. This book of James isn't like that at all. This book of James was written to the church, pretty broadly speaking. And so, really, um, we need to, to understand that this was written to us sitting here right now. Even in the very first verse of James, that's what we see, that he was writing this to all the church who were scattered throughout the world. Now, the nature of this book that we're going to be uh, going through, it's probably less heady than other books that we see throughout the New Testament. He doesn't present a whole heap of new concepts about how we understand God, um, but what James's desire is throughout this book is to be able to present some of the ways that we practically live out Jesus in our everyday life. So now that you are a Christian, now that you are saved, how do we live because we have been saved? It's very, very clear throughout the book of James that he is saying to the church, when you become a follower of Jesus and are saved by grace through faith, then there is something that should change in your life. You don't continue to live as you have in the past. He draws a stack of inspiration from other places like the Sermon on the Mount and Old Testament um, Proverbs to try and fulfill the letter or, or the purpose of what he's writing. And the purpose of what he's writing um, comes out of this foundation of being saved 
by grace through faith. I just want to draw your attention to a passage uh, that's not in James. It's actually in Acts 15 uh, before we get into things. Um, and the reason I want to do this is because I think this is a really important foundation for, uh, for the whole rest of the book. Um, in Acts 15, what you see is there's uh, what I call the Avengers of the New Testament. So you have Paul, Barnabas, um, Peter and James, who have all come together, uh, and they are on one side, and on the other side, you have some Pharisees who have become Christians. And the whole issue that is being placed on the table in Acts 15 is how are you saved? Is it just being saved by grace? through faith, which is what these four heavyweights of the early church are uh, trying to, to say, or are we saved by works as well? Now, it eventually gets to the stage where there is the conclusion reached based off Paul's ministry and, uh, and different things that have been working in Peter's life, that we are saved by grace through faith. And that is the most important truth. Uh, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, that's actually the most important thing for you to know uh, right now, that we are saved by grace through faith, not by works. But at the end of Acts 15, James then pipes up and he says, although we are saved by grace through faith, this then impacts how we live our lives with other believers and with people in the world. So I just think that's really, really important for us to understand that James throughout his book is not teaching that we are saved by grace through faith plus works. We are saved solely by grace through faith, which impacts how we live our lives. And with all of that as a foundation, I'm just going to read from James 1 now. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be going through the first 18 verses of, uh, of James 1, which says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So right there we see that James is writing this to the uh, to the nations and the church around the world. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding faults, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must, not, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded uh, and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plants. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. 
Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, so that we might become a kind of first fruits of all he created. When I, um, when I first uh, got together with my now wife, Sarah, and we started our dating relationship, um, we, uh, we spent uh, a lot of time around each other's houses and, um, and having dinner with each other's families, and it became quite apparent pretty early on that just the, the culture of our families was a little bit different when you came around the, uh, the dinner table. Um, so when my family comes together and we have dinner together, it is loud and boisterous and noisy. And one thing that I wasn't aware of until my wife mentioned it was we change topic very rapidly. So we'll just go from one thing to the other, to the other, to the other, uh, just very, very fast. And uh, it's a very loud conversation that just doesn't really have any moments of, of peace. And I love it. I just think that's, that's how things were, were meant to be. And then I went around uh, Sarah's house for dinner with her family. And what are they like? When they start eating, they are dead quiet throughout the whole thing. There's no talking. There's no nothing. They just eat their food very peacefully and, and nicely. And the problem for me is when I first got there, I thought something was wrong. Because the only time anything would be like that for our family is if there was real tension in the room, you know? So, uh, so we were one of these families that would go from one topic to the other to the other really, really quick. And, and Sarah found this pretty overwhelming because she wasn't able to follow our train of thought. Um, I feel a little bit like James is like me, especially in this passage right here. We see him just go from topic to topic and thing to thing really, really quick. And it can be a little bit difficult to try and find what's the unifying theme throughout this mess of words that he says throughout these first 18 verses of the book of James. But there is one unifying theme that we see uh, going throughout the, uh, these first 18 verses of the book of James, and that is how are Christians called to respond under trials? When we go through suffering and hardship and pain in our life, how is a Christian called to respond? And that is what James is speaking about here in these first 18 verses. Now, when we come to the New Testament, we have to remember that it is written into a context of suffering. These people were going through painful trials all the time. It was difficult uh, times that these people were in. It was partly a difficult time for the people of the New uh, for the early church because they were under Roman 
um, authority, and that meant that they were taxed higher, that meant that they could just be bullied by the Roman authorities, that meant that they could have things taken off them unfairly. Um, but this was true for every single person who was under the Roman authorities. But for Christians in particular in the early church, this was a really difficult time. They were persecuted to a far greater extent than other people throughout this time. They could be killed for their faith. We see moments throughout the New Testament where uh, people in the early church had their belongings and possessions burnt because, just because of their faith in Jesus. They could have family members killed because of their faith in Jesus. And so uh, this is the context that James is speaking into. Now, even for us today, um, it can be pretty easy for us to think uh, of persecution and try and think that our situation is somehow similar to what the people in the early church were going through. Now, even though Christianity isn't as widely accepted or promoted within society as it used to be, we do not go through the same level of suffering as the people did in the New Testament. Now, we can um, find this disheartening when we look at things like this, but really we should be able to find a huge amount of hope when we understand things like this because I find it very reassuring knowing that the people in the New Testament who are going through such a strong level of hardship that they are still being told to pursue uh, a certain way of living, like being joyful, being wise, being humble, and the other things that, uh, that James speaks about throughout this, uh, this passage here. And so that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. We're going to be doing a bit of a sprint through this passage and looking at some of the different ways, five different ways in particular, that James calls us to live as we go through suffering in this life. And the first thing that we see is that we should be joy-filled as we are going through trials in our life. Can we just go to the next slide, please, Eric? Thanks, mate. Well, keep going, mate. We're past the passage, so... If you could just keep going, that'd be great. Pass the passage, pass the passage, pass. There you go, there we go. So in verse two, that's what we see. What we see James say right there, very, very clear. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Rejoice when you go through hardship. This is a theme that comes through so often throughout the New Testament. Find joy when you are suffering and going through trials. This is impossible to ignore throughout, uh, throughout the writings that we see in the New Testament. The language is that we sh uh, should rejoice in trials and sufferings. And this is not a natural inclination for us to celebrate and praise God and think, thank you, Lord, that I am going through hardship, that I am suffering, that I'm going through trials right now in my life. Even more than that, just for when I consider things like this um, being read by certain brothers and sisters of ours around the world, when I think of our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan who are being persecuted for their faith, 
or I think of our brothers and sisters who are living in Ukraine right now, who are going through immense suffering um, in their lives. This can feel a little bit insensitive almost when we see words like this, be joy-filled through suffering. I mean, if I was going over to, to spend some time in Afghanistan or Ukraine or any of the nations where Christians are heavily persecuted, I would not feel right in saying, be joy-filled through what you're going through. Rejoice. Be thankful to God for what you are going through. And yet that's the message that James is saying to the whole church. That's the message that James is saying here to believers who are going through persecution throughout the world. So why is he saying this? Why should we be joy-filled? And there are two key reasons that I see, probably through other places in the New Testament, of why we are able to be filled with joy as we go through trials in our life. First reason that we are able to go through trials and be filled with joy is because that we see that God is glorified in us when we find joy in him as we go through, through suffering. If you're going through hard times in your life and you make the choice to draw near to God in those hard times, they are the moments when you are able to understand the joy that comes through a relationship with God more than any other time in your life. I genuinely believe that, that we are able to understand joy even to a new extent when we go through suffering in our life. And as we go through suffering and as we find joy in God as we suffer, that glorifies him. That honors the name of Jesus. So we should be doing this. Our heart's desire should be the glory of God. That's the first reason I think we're able to be able to feel, be joy-filled through trials. And the second reason is that God is shaping us and forming us for our good when we go through trials. A little bit more about that a little bit later. So that's the first thing. We should be joy-filled as we go through trials. Um, and the second thing that we see is that we're to grow in steadfastness or perseverance. So through trials, we see in verses 3 to 4 and 12 to 15 to be steadfast or to persevere through what we are going through. In verse 4, we're told that we will be made perfect and complete, lacking in nothing if we persevere through hard times in our life. Now, the first way that we grow towards perfection or translated as maturity, maybe if you're reading from the, uh, from the NIV, and completion is that we become more like Jesus as we go through hardships in our life. The sentiments of what James is saying here, they really resonate with what Paul writes in Romans 5, 3 to 5, that we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character Hope. So through persevering, we become more like Jesus. But then in verse 12, what we see is that there is another promise for those who persevere as they go through trials. Because we are told that we will receive something called the crown of life if we persevere. There's a guy called Alec Mochia who describes this really well, um, what the crown of life is. 
He says, the blessings God will give are summed up in the crown of life. In the Bible, the wearing of the crown speaks of dignity of position, royal or otherwise. It speaks of gladness and rejoicing. It is given to the victor. It is the prize at the end of the race, the chief shepherd's reward to his under-shepherds. Specifically, it is the reward of faithful endurance. And that is the reward that awaits every single person who will persevere through trials. But then in verse 13, uh, James goes one step further and he speaks no longer about the external trials that come to us that we face throughout our life, but he speaks about the deep um, trials that we might face within ourselves when we attempted to sin. He uses this language of being lured and enticed by sin. And this is, uh, I think, really intentional language that James uses because sin is something that will look attractive and positive to us and will draw us in. But our response is to persevere, do not give in, push through, be steadfast. So there's first couple of things. Be joy-filled, persevere or be steadfast, and be wise. That's the third thing that we see here in the passage. I find for myself, this is true for me and probably true for you as well, when I'm going through hard times in my life, um, those are probably the moments when it's most difficult to show wisdom uh, personally. Um, The reason I think it's true is just being based on things we've seen on our TV screens over the past uh, month or so. About a month ago, um, I was having lunch at my, at my desk, and uh, often when I'm having lunch, I might just surf through, through Facebook or look through Instagram, and, uh, and there was one thing that was just dominating my news feed as I was looking, uh, as I was going through it. There was all of this stuff that popped up about Will Smith and Chris Rock. And I was wondering, what on earth has happened here? This is something that's, uh, that's a bit fascinating. So I clicked on some of the videos that were, that were there, and what did you see? You saw Chris Rock making some fairly tasteless jokes. And how did Will Smith choose to respond when things were coming his way? Well, he hopped up out of his seat, and he went over to Chris Rock, and he smacked him in the face. Uh, When I first saw it, I thought, surely not, like that can't be real. But it turns out it was. And, uh, And I think we could all probably say, if you're familiar with what I'm talking about, I think we could all probably say that in that moment, when things were coming against Will Smith and some words were coming his way, that was not the wise thing to do. It's not a good option to hop up on international television at the Oscars and go and smack the host in the face when things are not being said that you like. In moments of suffering uh, or when things just are coming our way all around the place, they are the moments when it is most easy to make dumb decisions. 
and to not be wise. We start getting overwhelmed. We don't know how to handle it. And the easiest thing for us to do is to act out in vengeance or anger. We respond in ways that we know that we shouldn't. And it's in moments like that where you need to stop, pause, have a break, and pray for wisdom. And the reason that's so important is because what do we see that James says here? When you pray for wisdom, it will be given to you. That's a promise that we see here in the book of James. When you pray for wisdom, it will be given to you. And our job is to believe in this promise. God gives wisdom to those going through trials when they need it. So there's the first three things. Be joyful, be steadfast, and be wise when going through trials. A couple more things that we see here in this passage. is uh, that we see that we're called to be humble in verses 9 to 11. These uh, couple of verses that we see. Um, when you're going through trials, remain humble throughout. Keep some measure of perspective when you are going through hardship in your life. For me personally, I find uh, when I go on holidays and I just disconnect from my world, um, this is time where I am able to uh, gain a little bit of perspective about what is going on in my life and I am able to understand the vastness of the world and the things that are going on all around the world, things going on all around the place, and I gain a bit more of perspective about what is going on through the trials in my own life. That's the, uh, that's the fourth thing we see, be humble. And the last thing that we see is to be filled with the truth, be truth-filled. In verses 16 to 18, we see that really clearly. Specifically, um, what James tells the readers to, to do is to remember the goodness of God when you're going through difficult times. As we go through trials in our life, that's the easiest time to suddenly have a, a moment of questioning the character of God and thinking, how can God possibly be good as I'm going through this pain in my life? But for us to be truth-filled as we go through trials. It is not a case of simply getting to trials and then saying, now I am going to soak up truth from scripture. No, there needs to be preparation work done all throughout our life. We should be soaking ourselves in the word and the promises of God so that when we get to trials, we are able to hang on certain truths that we know, like the fact that God is infinitely good. Do this before going through trials so that you are prepared with God's truth when you get to being through trials. So there's the five things we see through this passage. Be joy-filled, be steadfast or persevere, be wise, be humble, and be truth-filled. Now, before we finish our time together, um, I genuinely don't know what some of you are going through in your life. I genuinely don't know what level of suffering or hardship some of you are going through. Um, some of you might be going through some really deep valleys in your life at the moment. And if you're not right now, you will sometime in the future. Now I'm aware if you are 
coming here tonight and you are just seeing those words on a screen and you're seeing them there in the book of James, um, these can just look like some vague random principles that we see from God's word and they might sound really nice, but they aren't really achievable. How do we actually make this a reality in our life? Um, But I just want to let you know that these things, just go back for one sec, Eric, thanks, mate. Um, that these things that we see on the screen right now, um, although you might feel that way, maybe, um, you don't try and achieve any of these things on your own. You do this with the, uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit living within you. You don't want to be trying to achieve this on your own strength. These are not things that you are called to strive towards and strain towards. These are things that we rest in, knowing that the Holy Spirit is able to bring these into our life. And probably a more really practical thing that you are able to do, if you are going through trials and you want to see these lived out in someone's life, can I just encourage you to maybe go and buy a a biography of someone? Um, if you see any person who has had a major kingdom impact throughout all of history, every single one of them has gone through some serious difficulties in their life, and they've had to know this as a reality. So um, can I just encourage you, if you need to see examples of these things lived out, find a biography of any great uh, great person of the faith throughout history. And the second thing, if uh, if some of this is just seeming a little bit um, uh, vague or just, uh, yeah, it's just uh, not, maybe just looking like principles on a, on a screen. The second thing I just want to take us back to is the foundation of this book of James that we spoke about right at the start, which is that we are saved by grace through faith. We are saved by grace through faith. Salvation comes by grace through faith in Jesus and living this way, this way through, like these five different things on the screen, living this way through trials doesn't come about through just sheer willpower and trying to live a good life. It comes out of a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus. So only when you grow continually and deeply in your relationship with Jesus and you rest in his grace for you that you have been offered, knowing that you don't bring anything to the table, will you be able to respond to trials in this way? And so team, do you guys just want to come up right now? And what I just want to do to to finish our time um, tonight is just to turn what we have just read into a prayer. I just want to pray scripture over us right now. And as we pray, um, there's nothing in scripture that tells us we need to pray with our eyes closed. So we're going to pray with our eyes open right now. (laughs) I just want you to turn your eyes to the screen. Um, You don't need to say these words out loud, but these might be things that you want to pray in your heart right now for yourself, especially for you if you are going through trials in your life right now. So let's just pray these words together. Lord, would you help me to be filled with incomparable joy through every circumstance, knowing that you are working all things together for my good? Would you help me to persevere with the knowledge that you will uphold your servants? Would you give me wisdom that only you can give? 
You are the fountain of all wisdom and knowledge. And I thank you for the promise of your word that you will give wisdom to those who ask. Keep me humble. Even as Jesus humbled himself by coming to earth, becoming a man and sacrificing himself for sinners. Protect me from deception and fill me with the truth of your word. I praise you not only because you are infinitely good and powerful, but because you are true. And so, God, we do just ask that the words in this passage will become truth in our life. Not truth that is just known in our heads, but known as we live out our relationship with you. Help us to suffer well and to go through trials well. Because we know that as we go through difficulties well, that is able to honour the name of Jesus. And that is the deepest desire of our hearts. We want to see the name of Jesus honoured and lifted up and glorified in our lives. Lord, I just really want to pray for anyone tonight here who is going through difficulties or trials in their own life. Would you comfort them by your spirit, but also lift them up on wings like eagles. Help them run and not grow weary and walk and not grow faint as we are upheld by your spirit living within us. In Jesus' name, amen.